so easy in our culture to just do, 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 do. And uh, we're reminded often of uh, a statement that Mike Cosgrove copied from Michael Grubbs. God created us to be human beings, not human doings. And it's so easy to get caught up in the doing rather than what God had us to do. So in a nutshell, as we read through Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, and if you would just follow along as I read this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. And in a nutshell, verse 8 tells us what to do. It's remember. Verse 9 and 10 tells us how to do it. It's work six days. And then verse 11 tells us why. It is a holy day. And it's interesting to think that God gave us the remedy for exhaustion. We're so careful in our society to make sure that we get everything done on our list that we need to get done to the point of overdoing it. And uh, God says you need to rest. So as we look at this passage here, the first thing that he tells us to do, the what, is to remember. And it's a double meaning. In fact, if you look back in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 23, this is a phrase that he says often throughout the book of Exodus. In fact, verse 23, he says, He told them, this is what the Lord has said, Tomorrow is a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and set aside everything left over to be kept until morning. And verse 24 says that they did it. It was a day of rest. In fact, not only that, in Luke chapter 4, we see the New Testament counterpart to that. Luke chapter 4, in verse 16, he says this. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as usual. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. It was a day set aside not only to rest, but also to worship. Do we take the time to both rest and worship on the Sabbath? It's kind of interesting. We're laying in bed last night, and my wife says to me, so what are you going to preach on tomorrow? And I said, we're talking about the Sabbath day, one of the Ten Commandments. Well, you know, Saturday's the Sabbath. Sometimes it's funny, though. So, we're sitting there, goes, well, we practice uh, Sabbath on Sunday. So, uh, our work week starts Monday through Saturday. We rest on Sunday. And here's the interesting thing about it, though. We joke about it. Say, is it on the Saturday? Is it on the Sunday? Is it the Jewish day? Is it, you know, whatever. In our house growing up, I was not even allowed to go to the store on Sunday. Anybody remember those days? Right. I wasn't even allowed to leave the house on, other than for church on Sunday. And, uh, and anymore, my kids will tell you, Dad, why can't we go here on Sunday? It's like the only day in the world that you want to rest. Leave me alone. Selfishly, we forget the rest, the, the worship part of it. 
But you know, that was a culture, even, even just so many years ago, taking time to rest and to worship God properly on a day of rest. But we don't do that so often in our culture. It's do, 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 to the point of exhaustion. You can't wait to go back to work on Monday so you can slow down a little bit. Verse 9 and 10 tells us how to do it. Work six days. Um, this kind of interesting conversation came up last week. I said, do you, Pastor, do you believe in the, in, the, in the gap theory? I said, no, I don't. Well, what do you believe in? I said, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God said it, and boom, it happened, you know. Um, <laughs> some of you got to get that. Anyway. Um, no, I believe God worked for six days. He spoke it into existence. And what does God's word tell us? Way back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. In six days he created, on the seventh day he rested. So it's the example that he gave to us. You say, well, is it really a big deal to God? I mean, is it really a huge deal that we take one day? Let me give you two extremes that the Scripture gives us as examples. So if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Numbers chapter 15. Numbers chapter 15. I want to read just a a passage here, a few verses. Uh, Numbers chapter 15, beginning with verse 32. Some of your... Bibles may say uh, uh, have a little heading above them, a violation of the Sabbath or something to that effect. It says, While the Israelites were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Uh-oh, he's working on the Sabbath. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses, Aaron, and the entire community. They placed him in custody because it had been, not been decided what should be done to him. Then the Lord told Moses, This man is to be put to death. The entire community is to stone him outside the camp. So the entire community brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, whether you observe the Saturday or the Sunday as a Sabbath, your one day of rest that's dedicated to the Lord, also to worship, how many have ever worked on that day? Both hands and a foot. Can you imagine being there in that scenario? being put to death over not observing the Sabbath. But then we see another extreme in Luke chapter 23. So if you would turn over to Luke chapter 23, let me read verse 56. Just one more page. So they turned and prepared spices and perfumes and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Here's one group says, these things need to be done. They gathered the spices, but they said, but wait a minute. We are going to rest and observe the Sabbath. But then verse 11 in our text tells us why. So we looked at the what. We looked at the how. We looked at the why. Chapter 20, verse 11. It says, for the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. It's a Sabbath day. Dedicated to the Lord for rest and worship. So as we consider this next text of Scripture, Moses addresses anew God's command regarding the Sabbath. But remember what we said earlier. God was not only taking the children of Israel on a physical journey. 
remember as we look through all of Exodus leading up to the Ten Commandments, he was bringing them on a journey out of the land of Egypt, out of the hardship, out of the labor. Why? So that they may, what? Worship me. So, God was not only taking the children of Israel on a physical journey, but he was also taking them on a spiritual journey. And we said that God was taking them on a journey of sanctification. And the way was difficult, but God consistently, faithfully proved his love for them and provided for them. God did not let the children of Israel become lazy, though, if you notice. God never just gave them the ability just to sit around and do nothing. He provided for them, but they had to go out each day and gather their food. And if they were hungry, all they had to do was go out and gather the food that God had already provided for them. But notice the significant change that was in store for the children of Israel. Pharaoh made the children of Israel to work nonstop. Remember this is Exodus chapter 16? God made, or, God, or as Pharaoh said, you know, hey, uh, even Moses said, you have made us to reek in the sight of Pharaoh. Why? Because he had made them work nonstop seven days a week. And God's plan for the children of Israel was one day of rest in seven. I like what Phil Graham Riken said. He said, the day to remember the Sabbath was a gift from God. God even reinforced His command to rest by having the children of Israel gather the food they needed for the Sabbath day, for the day before. And this was, of course, another miracle that the children of Israel were able to observe every week. Under normal circumstances, the manna would not last. However, God made the manna to last the extra day for the Sabbath day. And all they had to do was go out and gather for the next day. Another significant thought regarding the command is this. People assume that this command was just another, another good idea. But the children of Israel had not yet arrived at Mount Sinai when this is already instituted. Remember, the commandment came at Mount Sinai, but the command to rest was already instituted. Thus God cared for them by instructing them how to observe the day of rest and worship, something that no other culture had done to this point. It was only the children of Israel that were called to rest at this point. If you would take your Bible for a few minutes and turn over to the book of Nehemiah. I want you to notice Nehemiah's perspective of this. And there's a great big story here. Um, in Nehemiah chapter 13. And then consider God's perspective for a moment. But in Nehemiah chapter 13. I want to give you the whole context of the story. So I'm going to begin reading verse 9. There's work that needed to be done. So he says, I ordered that the rooms be purified, and I had the articles of the house of God restored there, along with the grain offering and frankincense. I also found out that because the portions of the Levites had not been given, each of the Levites and the singers performing the service had gone back to his own field. Therefore, I rebuked the official, saying, Why has the house of God been neglected? I gathered the Levites and the singers together and stationed them at their posts. Then all Judah brought a tenth of the grain, new wine, and oil into the storehouses. I appointed as treasures over the storehouses uh, Shelemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and Pedadiah the Levites, and Hanan the son of Zerker, son of Mataniah, to assist them. Because they were considered trustworthy, they were responsible for the distribution to their colleagues. Remember for me, or remember me for this, my God, and don't erase the deeds of faithful love I have done for the house of God and for his services. At that time I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath. 
They were also bringing in stores of grain and loading them on donkeys along with wine, grapes, and figs. All kinds of goods were being brought to Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. So I warned them against selling food on that day. The Tyrians living there were importing fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. It was just another day to get work done. He says, I warned them concerning this day. Verse 17, I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Didn't your ancestors do the same so that your God brought all this disaster on us and on this city? And now you are rekindling his anger against Israel by profaning the Sabbath. When shadows began to fall on the gates of Jerusalem just before the Sabbath, I gave orders that the gates be closed and not open until after the Sabbath. I posted some of my men at the gates so that the goods could enter, no goods could enter during the Sabbath day. Once or twice the merchants and those who sell all kinds of goods camped outside Jerusalem. But I warned them, why are you camping out, camping in front of the wall? If you do it again, I'll use force against you. After that, they did not come again on the Sabbath. Then I instructed the Levites to purify themselves and guard the gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. And then he says, Remember me for this also, my God. And look on me with compassion and keep me with your faithful, abundant love. In those days I also saw Jews who had married women from Ashdod and Ammon and Moab. And half their children spoke the language of Ashdod and the language of the other people, but I could not speak the Hebrew. I rebuked them, cursed them, beat some of their men, and pulled out their hair. I forced them to take, oath, take an oath before God and said, You must not give your daughters in marriage their sons to take their daughters as wives and so on. He says, listen, God's commands are to be honored. God's commands are to be observed. And he took it very seriously. So the perspective from Nehemiah was, wait a minute, what are you doing on the Sabbath? Why is it that you're just doing anything you want to do? It's just another day of business, another day to sell, another day to earn money. This is not going to keep going on this way. But notice God's perspective. Part of the reasoning behind the captivity was because of the failure of his people to keep the Sabbath. Wait a minute, did did you hear that? Part of the reason for the captivity was because they would not keep the Sabbath. Take your Bibles and look at Jeremiah chapter 17. Isaiah, Jeremiah, chapter 17. And look at verse 19 and following. This is what the Lord said to me. Go and stand at the people's gate through which the kings of Judah entered and leave, as well as at all the gates of Jerusalem. Announce to them, Hear the word of the Lord, King of Judah, all Judah, and all the residents of Jerusalem who enter through the gates. This is what the Lord says. Watch yourselves. Do not pick up a load and bring it in through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. You must not carry a load of your load out of your houses on the Sabbath day, or do any work. But you must consecrate the Sabbath day, just as I commanded your ancestors. They wouldn't listen or pay attention, but became obstinate, not listening or accepting discipline. However, if you listen to me, says the Lord, and do not bring loads through the gates of the city on the Sabbath day, and consecrate the Sabbath day, and do no work on it, kings and princes will enter through the gates of this city. What's he saying here? He says, if you will honor me and let aside this one day as a day of rest and worship, he says, then kings and princes will come in. In other words, blessing will come by your obedience. 
Then he goes on and says this, They will sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses with the officials. The men of Judah and the residents of Jerusalem, this city will be inhabited forever. Then people will come from the cities of Judah and from all the area around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin and from the Judean foothills, from the hill country and from the Negev, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifice, grain offerings and frankincense and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. If you do not listen to me to consecrate the Sabbath day by not carrying a load while entering the gates of Jerusalem and on the Sabbath day, I will set fire to its gates and will consume the citadels of Jerusalem and not, and not be extinguished. What's he saying? He says, if you will honor me on this day, if you will worship me on this day, if you will just set aside this day, you'll have my blessing. But if you don't, the blessing will be forfeited. Does God take it serious? I think he does. Look over in Ezekiel. love it when you can't find the passage that you're telling everybody to turn to. Almost there. There it is. Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 12 and 13. It says, I also gave them my Sabbath to serve as a sign between me and them, so they will know that I am Yahweh who sets them apart as holy. While the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness, they did not follow my statutes, and they rejected my ordinances. The person who does them will live by them. They also completely profaned my Sabbaths. So I considered pouring out my wrath on them in the wilderness to put an end to them. So God, it broke God's heart. By not following a Sabbath, they said it broke his heart. And the question often arises, is the Sabbath for today? I mean... Didn't this command cease in the New Testament? Is this just something that's in the Old Testament that we don't have to deal with in the New Testament? Well, a lot of people have that question. In Colossians, chapter 2, verse 16, it says this, Therefore, I don't let anyone judge you on regard to food or drink or in the matter of the festival or a new moon or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is the Messiah. There is freedom. There is liberty. But it is also a day to be given to the Lord. One thing that we have to consider before dismissing the thought is the command originated, as we said, before the institution of the Ten Commandments. Way back in the book of Genesis, chapter 2. Going back even further, God exemplified this command as He worked, created the universe in six days, and then by His own example, rested. But notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. Is the Sabbath for today? For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. So I believe that God would still have us to take the day and rest and worship him. So here's something to ponder. Many Christians believe that they follow the Ten Commandments. If I were to go around this room and say, hey, do you observe the Ten Commandments? Do you observe the Ten Commandments? Do you observe the Ten Commandments? And as we said at the beginning of this study, that every commandment that God gave in the Ten Commandments is also reiterated in the New Testament. 
most people would agree that they basically follow the Ten Commandments. But I have to wonder, does that include observing the Sabbath? Or is it just another day? Another day to get things done. Another day to do whatever it is that we want to do. Or is it a day that is truly set aside as a day of rest and worship? I think there are many reasons why we don't observe it. I think the pressures of our culture. I can remember when I was a youth pastor 15 years ago, 17 years ago. And I can remember that by and large, the schools would basically set aside Sundays for families. But anymore, a lot of sports teams practice on Sundays and have games on Sundays and tournaments on Sundays. The pressures of culture when it comes to sports and hobbies, etc. Or how about just the pressures of time? It's just another day to complete a couple more things on the to-do list, to run the errands that need to be run, to do whatever it is that you want to do. Or the pressures of conveniences. It's convenient because all week I'm at work and now I can do my own work that somebody else is not telling me to do. So there's the conveniences of just another day. But if you struggle with how to handle the subject, you're not alone. This was a struggle that's been going on for years. Way back in the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verse 27, says this. Yet on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they did not find any. Why? They were tired from the day before, the week before, or whatever. So they didn't go out and gather. Maybe they're busy doing other things. So they didn't take the time to do what they needed to do to have food on that day. Other things going on. But you notice that the struggle existed even way back then. And God rebuked them, however, for not observing His commands. Because look at verse 28. He says, Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and instructions? <laughs> Understand that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, He will give you two days worth of bread. Each of you stay where you are. No one is to leave his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. It's always been a struggle to do what God wants us to do. And he rebuked them. Remember one thing, that when God said, let my people go, he says, let them go that they may worship me. And God saved them for his own glory, but they, through their disobedience, did not bring God glory. They wanted to do their own thing. And God had to constantly remind them. God gave them this day and they didn't understand that it was for them. I want to read one verse in the book of Mark. Matthew, Mark, chapter 2, and verse 27. Then he told them, The Sabbath was made for a man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is the Lord even on the Sabbath. So it was a day set aside, given to man to rest and to worship. The Sabbath was a day of worship. Observing this day of rest distinguished them from the Egyptians as well, because they didn't follow it. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath day was the seventh day of the week. In the New Testament, the Sabbath was observed on the first day of the week. In fact, you see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. 
says, on the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he prospers so that no collections will need to be made when I come. It was set aside to worship and to rest, which is Sunday. So the day of rest began to be called the Lord's Day. Today we celebrate the Lord's Day. We are still considering two perspectives. First, we're looking back to the day of creation and remembering God's command. But we look forward to heaven and to everlasting rest. Won't that be a wonderful day? You know, so often our life is consumed with rest. I can remember when I was a teenager, I could not wait to start working because I wanted some money. I wanted the freedom of not going to mom and dad every time I wanted a few dollars. I wanted to start working. And then I remember looking back at when my kids would come to me and say, I want a job, I want a job, I want a job. And I remember thinking, once you start, it never ends. Just, just hold off. Just hold off. Because we can't wait to start getting the money and start wait to buy the things that you want. But once it starts, there's a lifetime. But it's a good thing. We look forward to heaven and our everlasting rest. Hebrews chapter 4 once again. Let me read just a couple of verses here. Verse 9 and following. Verse 9 says this. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. He wants us to have rest. What about today? I think there's ever a need for a day of rest. It is today. Um, it's amazing. We had this conversation the other day. I can't remember who all was part of it. Um, I think Mike might have been there. I'm not sure. But the age of retirement used to be 65, then went to 67. I think it's raised to, what, 70 now? Whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not there. I think by the time I do get there, it's going to be like 84, 5, somewhere like that. Somewhere in there. But, you know, uh, we work our entire lives for the next thing. And I think God's way of preserving our, our life is to observe rest. But not only rest, worship. Taking the time to not only just... The conversation I had this week was, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. And I said, well, okay, but... Well, you don't really need to go to church, do you? And I said, well, I would kind of argue that point with this individual I was talking to. I said, uh, I, I think you do need to be in church. Um, Hebrews reminds us that we're not to forsake the summing of ourselves together as the manner of some were, but so much the more as we see the day approaching. We need each other. So it's a good thing to come to church and to be encouraged by one another and to fellowship with one another around the person of Jesus Christ. But also within this day, it's a day to truly worship. It's not a day, if I could say it this way, just to go through the motions. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Come on. It's a day of worship, too. To get excited about what God's doing. What He has done. Man, some of you are going to be shocked when you get to heaven. I mean, y'all are really going to be shocked, some of you. You're going to get there and you're going to find out He's going to have a praise and worship team probably of some sort. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. He's probably going to have one, though. 
Maybe even a harp. It's going to be electronic harps. No, I was just kidding. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just joking. But some of y'all are going to wake up one day. I like what uh, Glenn Payne used to say to the cathedrals. He said, they don't get excited. They don't get your fire burning, your wood's wet. Bottom line is, some of y'all get excited a little bit. We're singing about the praises of God. I get excited a little bit. Thank you. But it's a day of rest. Go home, sit back, relax, and worship God. So I believe God would have us to respond to what we've read and heard by doing two things. Rest and worship.